I had like this aha moment when I was listening into, for us, it's not so much about happiness. It's about authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I would like to elaborate more on that because I have the feeling both in the market for spiritual bypassing, like like selling mm-hmm. peak experiences and when you just meditate, your whole life will be happy. And then everybody on Instagram, especially the influencers, right? They're oh, yeah. like constantly like, Jake. I would say grinning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also on on the other side, let's say on the therapeutical side, I also have the feeling as if people had almost this ideal that a constantly happy life could be possible instead of learning to to like circulate like all mm-hmm. range of emotions so so yeah i Absolutely. really just want to want to dive deeper on authenticity and how that relates to happiness mm-hmm. that's such a good point that you just made yeah. people get so hung up on holding on like attachment right clinging on to all kinds of things like monogamous relationship like clinging to people clinging to ownership clinging to our bodies not changing clinging to not aging right there is so much attachment and so when we're talking about authenticity versus happiness right it's just about accepting that being in a permanent state of bliss doesn't exist will never exist right the weather is forever changing and so are we so but being being present with yourself in whatever state that's that's what's really going to make life beautiful and and bearable and authentic and and fulfilling i think allowing yourself the full range of emotions as you said and not putting not glorifying one and demonizing another so it's about creating a toolkit so you can feel contempt no matter what emotion will come up Maybe not content because <laughs> we're human after Well all. equipped, well equipped. But but accepting, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta sit with your misery and let it be and know that it'll it'll pass. Yeah, nothing the, the, is forever. the knowledge that nothing is forever. Not the blissful times and not the rainy nostalgic days. That's such a Buddhist way of looking at things. I feel like I'm pushing politics. <laughs> <laughs> And, 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 all, and everything <laughs> and one one other thing that I, that just plopped up in my head when we were talking about um we started out with what's trauma and one thing that is also very common in trauma no matter which one is that people have a hard time to stay in the here and now they're either in the past or mm-hmm. they're in the future they're never in the here and now and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that is accompanied when it comes to healing to make people realize again there is a future therefore you can be present in the here and now or you don't have to be in the past because the here and now is safe enough to stay in it right now or we can create a safe enough here now to stay in it let's 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 riff uh, off the eternal here and now because again uh especially in the in the spiritual mainstream Mm -hmm mindfulness culture it's all about the power of now it is it is <laughs> yes and no because i i truly have the feeling 
if you only teach the power of now, but don't become aware of the deeper underlying patterns that actually govern not only your behavior, but also the perception with which you perceive the outside environment, your relationship to work, sexuality, your parents, bonding mechanisms and stuff like that, you can't really be in the here and now. So, mm. yeah, the point I want to make is I think we now have like maybe 50 years of convergence in between, let's say, say Eastern spirituality and, and Western approaches uh, to mm -hmm. psychotherapy. And I truly think the truth is in the intersection of these approaches. So when, when, when sometimes people approach me and they have been sitting for 10, 20 or more years on a meditation cushion, then I tell them personally, and I'm not a trained psychotherapist, as the two of you know, nor am I a trained meditation teacher, but I did a lot of meditation and did a mm -hmm. lot of trauma work myself. Then usually I advise people that did a lot of meditation to do some therapeutical work or some embodiment work. But mm -hmm. when on the other hand, people are constantly stuck in the mud of their own biography, then maybe incentivizing them to go on a Vipassana retreat or witness the, the beauty of a psychedelic peak experience can actually mm -hmm. free them of this like constantly working through like, let's say, childhood trauma. So yeah. maybe again, how, how, how do you see these, these two approaches complementing each other? Well, I think something that's really dangerous is looking at anything as black and white or absolute, right? So you mentioned the power of the here and now, and obviously you can bastardize that too, right? And people can abuse that and you and spiritually bypass that too and focus on the here and now way too much and for all the wrong reasons. But yep. but yeah, I, I totally agree. So absolutely any sort of the more angles you're looking at, something from the better right you gain more perspective and do the somatic therapy do the therapy go to the retreat but but then at the end of the day come back to yourself right and think about how you're going to integrate those experiences and what what are you doing with them right it's not a it's not about just chasing the now it's definitely about putting things into perspective yeah it's about balance yeah it's about it's balance. always about balance there are individual balances and they, they change from day to day, but it's about finding an equilibrium of things to have it all, to think about the past, stay in the here now, and also have an outlook on the future. But from a healthy, healthy point, from, from I need one, from everything can be, and it's, it's good in, 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 the, in the sense that you have all of it mm -hmm. enough. It's always about having enough and not yeah. uh, focusing too much <laughs> on one thing. Um, one, one question that came up, is there, is there, can there be too much trauma in one person or a, or a collective to be healed? Because when we were preparing for the session and or are there various intensities 
of trauma and linked to that, mm-hmm. how does a healing journey um, look like? Are there like stations within a healing journey? Or is it like completely individually, completely dependent on like each and every single individual? Mm-hmm. All very good questions. Mm. Um, well, I think it's really, so one of the most profound understandings that we can offer to everyone we work with is that you don't compare yourself to anyone. You don't compare trauma, right? So there can be a person in the Western world experiencing something as mundane as a car accident and be profoundly affected by it. And then there can be somebody witnessing genocide, right? And having different ways of coping and and functioning maybe on a day-to-day basis in a better way, who knows? But the point is trauma is really something so personal and what happened to you doesn't really matter. It, It matters how it affects you, how much suffering you're experiencing and and uh, healing starts there when it comes to healing or this goal of healing trauma right people expect think of healing as going to therapy and then at the end of therapy the trauma whatever it was is gone but that's sadly not how things work right because we're not surgeons we can surgically remove the trauma we can surgically remove what happens to people we can only teach them tools and and we can facilitate their own efforts of dealing with in better ways, right? And developing coping mechanisms that serve them better in the here and now. It's never, it's never about being healed, really. So it's more about learning how to live with it and function. Yeah. So what, what we can say is, and I will, I will try to link the question about, uh, is there some kind of difference between severity of trauma and mm. and a kind of a formula that we observe? And what the one thing is, in in it, when it comes to when it happened, the earlier mm-hmm. it happens, the more severe it is in the sense mm-hmm. that there is less and less individuality and ego developed before and language as well and right? language and 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 thereby tools to cope with it. So if it's pre-verbal, then it's much more s- fundamental, just by definition. And also harder to catch. And right? harder also to harder attract. to catch because then there are just very different layers and tools involved. It's, that's just a fact. <clears throat> so in that case, this is in that way, this is really more severe. But there are ways to do this, but there is definitely more work necessary and mm. or different work, different work. And when it comes to <clears throat> what Bridget just said, um, what we can see in people is that, um, no, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> what did I just say? I don't know. Wait. <laughs> um, <laughs> ah, exactly. Main, most people, they start out with coping mechanisms, they're designed to survive because when it's in early childhood or in childhood, then the only thing that's important is survival. And you will, the price is, it doesn't really matter at that point because survival is the only thing that is mm. important. And what we want to do in therapy or in coaching with people is go away from the state of I'm still fighting just 
for my survival to thriving. thriving and to just exchange the outlook on things. And that is what we can offer and that's what we do. Right, people come from scarcity, right? And, and we're helping them to find their way out of the scarcity and, and see all the tools and all the resources available to them now. Which weren't available when they initially developed these kind of coping mechanisms. And that's a paradigm shift. The question was also, is there trauma that cannot be resolved? And I'm sure there is. I mean, some transgenerational trauma are just being passed down through the generations, right? Generation to generation to generation. And, and there is so much suffering and some are very hard to resolve. Mm. Then there are personality disorders, right? That like science is debating. Some people claim some things aren't really solvable, healable in therapy and well that's a box of Pandora, right? Yeah, because it is. what's 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 being healed is being healed exactly. from which perspective? From the societal perspective of being a exactly. functional consuming person in our Western world? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe not, but maybe that's not the goal for most people anyways when it comes to healing. Maybe that, that's what they want to leave behind and then that's a different answer, right? Exactly. But <clears throat> the point is in that case, you can help people get better, cope better and feel better within themselves, with themselves. And I think that's the only, the only measurement that is relevant in the end. It's not important if your neighbor thinks you're healed. It, it's important <laughs> if you think you're better off than before. Yeah, and if that... you're experiencing less suffering. So, so when people come to us and they say, so what's the goal? What's my, what's my target? What's the timeline, right? Then we always say, well, there's only one thing, one measure, one unit of measurement. And it is, are you experiencing less suffering than before? Yeah. Um, as we are friends, and we know each other for a couple of years. And I don't want to touch too much on my healing journey because I did that in the zero uh, edition um, mm -hmm. of the podcast, just for the sake of the listeners, uh, just listening to this episode. One of my first childhood experiences was severely burning my left upper leg and suffering from shock trauma, which you which was translating into like post-traumatic stress disorder and all sorts of coping mechanisms. The question that I want to ask the two of you, after feeling, yes, there's like, let's say, incremental changes in on the journey to a more authentic, fulfilled and thriving life. But I also have the feeling there are true breakthroughs Mm -hmm. which then you will know this not only from myself, but also from a variety of clients and from literature, where truly the, the sense of self, where truly that sense of relaxing into life mm -hmm. and trusting life is so profound. Mm -hmm. And I certainly know from my own decade-long healing journey, Mm -hmm. That just the way how functional, how powerful, how much resources I have, how stable I am is so different from like the three and a half decades before. So I wanted to ask you, 
when do you see incremental change and when do you see truly breakthroughs and again are there underlying patterns on the yeah on the journey for 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 clients that you see yeah that's impossible to to answer you know generally because it's no. such an individual thing and people ask us that all the time when will i see radical change and mm. and we always refer them back to the incremental change because it starts with that right so we always use this example of people walking up the mountain like they are at the foot of a mountain they're looking at the peak and they're focused on the peak and they're like oh my gosh why am i not doing anything i'm not getting there when will i get there right and then change the perspective and look at like look at the feet look at your feet and take one step and celebrate that step right and that's gonna before you know it you'll be at the peak and looking down right but just because you focused on taking one step at a time, honor every little small incremental change and don't think about those radical shifts. They will come, they yeah. will arrive before you know it, but, but, but yeah. only if you don't fixate and focus on those and yeah. chase them. That's what we tell our clients. And But what we can see from the outside is that it's about finding out that there is another way of living in the sense that most of these people who have trauma when it comes to developmental um, steps, then it's about trusting themselves, trusting their own perception and trusting themselves. Mm. And what we can offer is a relationship between us and them that is built on trust, on seeing them and on reflecting to them that what they experience is true and right. And by mimicking it in, in, in the safe space of our office, they start to go out there and creating these kind of situations more and more for themselves on the outside. And so, <laughs> sorry. Co collecting these experiences. And then at some point, there's a tipping point. They have this these bad experience from their childhood and whatever. And then they collect these new things. And at some point, they are even. And then it the flips. It, the scale tips to the other side. And then they're then there is this paradigm shift where you can really feel it. And then they trust themselves exponentially more than before this happened. But it builds up and the, the, how it builds up, it's individual, the, the, the speed and yeah, that can be put in one formula. Do you wanted to add something? Yeah, I was gonna say trust is a really important point because if you're looking like when you fixate on the, on the peak, right? You might not actually believe you're walking. You might be looking down at your feet and not believe that you've taken a step, not be able to see the step you've taken, right? So trusting yourself is just such a huge and really a difficult thing to achieve. And it's a skill to, to relearn for most. Yeah. I had such a deep aha moment just listening to, to trust and... Uh, maybe trust is at the at the very core of of the journey i'm asking mm -hmm. myself what other faculties need to be developed i mean trust strength stability and then also these this faculty to to work through these intense um 
emotions because when I look uh, at at my early adolescence, mm -hmm. I, I definitely recognize a trait where I would say at least for a decade, more for one and a half decades, I mainly used meditative practices, so meditation in my sense, um, to flee difficult emotions and basically sitting them away on a, on a meditation uh, cushion. Mm -hmm. And I think it was only in my late 20s to early 30s, being 42 now, where not myself, more my environment made me painfully aware <laughs> that despite <laughs> me thinking and perceiving myself of pretty enlightened for the lack of a better word and clever and smart they were actually telling me well if we like look at your life close friends parents ex-partners mm -hmm. they were they were telling me it doesn't look like very happy <laughs> and, and functional right so, so i'm actually very grateful for those being critical to push me to complement, let's say, my meditative state training, constantly chasing peak experiences, to complement that with the more muddy, painful, mm -hmm. understanding my own upbringing and biography and my family system and, and um, all of that. Um, when I try to loop that uh, back, as a as a question mm -hmm. mm, you said something are there, <laughs> what no are there, are there are there segments of clients that you perceive like they're, they're like typically like bypassers and and how do you deal with them and then the other side maybe the the people more on the self-pity side you know that are constantly complaining mm -hmm. <laughs> like how do we approach these these like two two archetypals yeah well there are many archetypes and there are many ways people deal with their emotions and and you were asking earlier um trust stability what kind of tools are necessary right and and one i think the most important one is compassion and self-compassion so how do we look at everyone with compassion not with judgment because judgment is the one of the single most painful things that people suffer from judgment internalized judgment judgment of others so so we teach compassion so whatever somebody brings to the table we look at it lovingly and we teach them to look at themselves lovingly and to be understanding of their process 